Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. And I have my old friend back today. Michelle, we have missed you. Thank you. I've missed you. I I didn't even know how to like sign on to get back on the podcast and get my, I just had my microphone backwards. Clearly it's been, it's been too long. Are you rusty? (laughs) Yes, I am. So much has happened in both of our lives since we recorded an episode together. Uh, I know that you had a great big move at the beginning of the year and your house looks amazing by the way. It almost looks like that has to be a backdrop. That's just too perfect. (laughs) But I can testify it's not a backdrop. I've been there. It's really that stunning. Um, Oh, thank you. And how's the pool project coming along? The pool is, um, and I heard this before we decided to put a pool in, but that it was going to take longer than expected. And it has. And when it doesn't rain and you think people are here, no one's here. So it's been a long process. So we're hoping it's done when they said it will be done. Fingers crossed. I've heard that it takes longer than you expect and will cost more than you expect. Yeah. (laughs) So buy a house with a pool if you can, instead of having one put in. That would be my little piece of advice. I I would have to say that I am a big believer in that concept. Um, if mm-hmm. buying one with an indoor pool has been like yes. so amazing, so amazing for so many reasons. But um, I will definitely say that it's a very sexy thing to have a place where you can swim and cuddle and snuggle and play and kiss and and just Charlie and I are both avid swimmers and we haven't been able to spend that much time here together yet. We've only had, this is a bummer, he had four days uh, here last week before he had to go back to EKU because he has to teach through June 30th. And on day two, he hadn't even been here 24 hours. I got incredibly sick. So really, we've had one day to really enjoy the pool together. And beyond that, I've either been under the weather or he's been out of town. So we're looking forward to a sweet reunion, um, hopefully Memorial Day weekend. So we will see. Good. Do you have your stars and stripe bikini ready? Uh, who needs a bikini when you have an indoor pool? <laughs> who needs a swimsuit at all? Shannon swims naked. If you ever go to her house, just know she's been naked in her pool. Believe me, if you had an indoor pool, you would too. <laughs> Probably would. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Um, so yeah, we've both gone through major moves and, uh, mm-hmm. I know that my background is looking really, really sad at the moment with no books on the bookshelves, but we're getting ready to have a painter come in and do all of that. And also you see that I have tackled the project of, I've decided to paint the spindles. I tested a black can of paint on three (laughs) spindles to make sure that I could actually get away without sanding them. But um, (laughs) I realized this is going to take a really long time and I counted them. There is 140 spindles on this level of the house. <laughs> I'm going to have to paint oh each one of those. Um, so I'm a little overwhelmed at the moment. And the bet. construction, the remodel, all that, all of it, we're finding problems that we didn't know were there. And it's costing way more money mm-hmm. than we expected. So 
We would appreciate prayers for patience and provision (laughs) and productivity because I don't want to live in a construction zone for months and months, but months. Yeah. yeah. But we'll get there. That's, that's a ton of spindles to paint. Yeah. Um, So if, if I call you and you don't answer, I'll know you're painting. I see your blue painter's tape back there too. Exactly. Well, and I actually got inspired about an idea involving these spindles that I'll, I'll roll out on a future episode. It's still gelling in my mind, but there's so many people who have been a part of this ministry for so many years through, um, through being part of workshops or being a coaching client or through uh, sponsoring women through the scholarship fund or whatever. And I really want to make the house feel as if it belongs to everybody, not just us. And so, yeah, I've, I've got a cool idea brewing in my head as I'm painting spindles, but also Good. you had major surgery since the last time we I talked. Did. I did. I'm missing a body part now. <laughs> well, I'm glad, glad it's not an eyeball or a nose or <laughs> I know. Yeah. You can't see this body part. My kids think that I had my lady part cut off, which that is not the case. I did not have it cut off. <laughs> I, my uterus is gone. I had a hysterectomy. Well, is my uterus gone or my cervix or one of those? I don't even it's, know. It's usually it's your uterus. A hysterectomy is the okay. removal of the uterus. Did you get to keep your ovaries? Yes. Okay. They're still there. Yep. That's exactly what I had done about 10 years ago. And your life just gets so much easier when you don't have periods anymore. Right. It's nice. And I still having the ovaries, I think keeps me from being an emotional wreck. I've heard if they're gone, that it's really tough to balance all the hormones out. So I'm glad that they would leave those for me. That was so nice. Yes. Yeah. So you're feeling better. Yeah. I really wasn't feeling bad. Um, to begin with, it was more of a precautionary, like precancerous type thing to to have it taken out just to not worry in the future. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I'm thankful for that and that we caught some things early and, um, so yeah, but I did have a big surgery move, you know, just a couple things happening. Well, and, and then to boot and the busiest real estate season you've probably ever had in your entire career, right? Ever. Yeah. 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 yeah we're thankful our industry has really thrived in the real estate world. And um, this year has been amazing so far. So thankful for what God keeps throwing in our laps and trying to really take care of people the best we can and, um, and juggle everything else. So yeah. And what a, what a crazy year to have to (laughs) buy a house. What a crazy year to have to sell a house, but as a real estate agent, I'm sure that you are riding the wave girl. And so (laughs) thrilled for you guys. So we have had a couple of episodes where I got to interview Dr. John Gray, which was a pretty big deal for me because he is very iconic. I mean, I knew his name way before I ever started doing anything over 20 years ago because he's been writing books for eons and forgive me for being all stuffed up. Like I said, I've been under the weather lately, but I'll muddle through. You are snotty. I am. (laughs) I have some drainage issues going on at the moment. Yeah, interviewing Dr. John Gray was a thrill, but I realized that that was 
a couple episodes there where we were focusing on married sexuality and we have a lot of single people who listen to this podcast. And I think it's really great because we're all sexual beings from cradle to grave, whether we're married or not. And whether you're sexually active as a single person or not, you know, that that's up to the individual, but I sometimes want to just commit a show, especially to them, just as my nod to good for you for listening to shows about sexuality, just, you know, in preparation for the relationship that you hope to have someday or for bettering the relationship that you have that you hope will become a marriage someday. So today Mm -hmm. I want to talk about five red flags when you are dating that you probably need to consider cutting your losses early and just exiting the relationship altogether. And so um, I wanted to preface this conversation by saying that (laughs) Michelle and I, um, we have both had our seasons of singleness. Some people listening to the show may not realize that you and I are actually both newlyweds having remarried the exact same day, the exact same month, the exact same year. (laughs) totally unbeknownst. We didn't even know it. Yeah. We found out what, two weeks later that we had both gotten married on the same day, but we, (laughs) so how many years were you single in between? Four. Four years. Okay. And Mm -hmm. for me, it was like two and a half, almost three years. So what I want to really focus on today is some of our, I'm not expecting us to get uber personal, but I know that you probably had some experiences where you learned things that you didn't know before because you got married pretty young the first time, right? Yes, I was. I had been 20 years old for three months. And you had already dated him for quite a while, right? We had dated for a year and a half. Yeah, right. Like I met I met him the day after I graduated high school. Okay. So So you didn't have a lot of dating experience the first time you were married. No, no. And I I was 22. A boyfriend in high school. So, so you were a baby too. Yeah, I was a baby too. And uh, yeah, being single in today's era, it is a scary, scary world. And Mm -hmm. it can be really discombobrating if you're accustomed to being in a relationship to all of a sudden being single And I didn't, I didn't date around a whole lot. The one thing that I knew for certain is that I was not interested in casual sex by any stretch Mm -hmm. of the imagination, because I knew that that was going to be a path that would lead to nowhere, that that could make me go around mountains around and around and around again, that I didn't ever want to go around at all. And so, um, so one of the biggest red flags for me was that if a guy wanted sex, way too soon in the relationship or wanted to just be handsy or making out like on a first or second or third date. It's like, give me time to get to know and determine if I even like you before I can decide if I love you or have any, you know, sexual feelings toward you. So would you agree that if somebody is wanting to be sexual too fast, that's a big red flag? Right. Yes. And we, we've talked about this before, you know, me growing up, like holding hands and kissing and that, like, that was a big deal for Brian growing up, you know, how he did sex was not a big deal, you know? So he just didn't like, 
his ver his sex was the same as me holding hands and kissing and you know what I mean? So it represented um, something totally different. Yeah. Um, so when we did meet our two worlds, you know, collided and we did have different opinions on like the physical aspect before marriage, just because of what I had grown up with and how he had grown up, but he's still who God had for me. I mean, he is literally the perfect match for me. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't, I would say just feel it out and, and work through that and communicate and talk through it, you know, before you just write somebody off. Exactly. Navigating those waters, as long as you're willing to use your words and be honest about how you feel and have it be a two-way conversation and not judge someone for being in a different place as you in either direction. Don't judge them because they seem to be so much faster than you, but also don't judge them because they seem to be so much slower than you. Just talk it through because if you can land at a place where, okay, this would be a really good, healthy compromise where we feel as if it would be a win-win, would keep our relationship on a path moving forward without you know, dragging it out for years and years that I, th- I think that if you can teach them how to treat you and give them the opportunity to see sexuality through your lens so that they can at least respect where you're coming from, they may be willing mm-hmm. to let go of their perspective and adopt your perspective just out of respect for you. Sure. And that yes. would be, that would be a good thing. But if they won't mm-hmm. take no for an answer and they just keep trying to push the envelope and pressure you and pressure you when you've made it clear that you're not ready for that, that's a huge sign of disrespect. Yes. And I was also talking with a client recently and she was telling me that she was a little embarrassed about the fact that she'd had all these thoughts about, she felt ready to move to like a next level in their physical relationship, but she certainly wasn't ready to go all the way but she waited until they were in the heat of the moment. And he had Mm -hmm. these expectations that it was going to go all the way before she was just like, Oh, by the way, just so you know, I, you know, I don't want to go all the time. Yeah. (laughs) So having to realize that you are, you know, that you're an adult and that you need to talk about these things before you get into the heat of the moment. You're not 15 in the backseat of a car, just operating off of your hormones and passion and all that kind of stuff. So I would say that if you are not comfortable talking about sexuality with your new partner, you probably shouldn't be having sex with your new partner. You need to develop a comfort level communicating about it verbally before you communicate about it non-verbally, if you know what I mean. Right. (laughs) Yeah. also uh, brings to mind another one. I know I experienced this. uh, I had, I had maybe a handful of dates that never really went beyond. I knew pretty fast within two to three dates. I I knew whether I wanted to keep seeing that person or not, but there were times that I felt as if they were love bombing that just mm-hmm. showering with just, you know, flowers and all this attention about how amazing they think that you are and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you don't even know me. Like, yeah, it just felt like they were going through a, a prescribed set of motions that they thought they should be doing in order to win me over instead of yeah. just teaching me who they are and letting me decide if they were worthy to continue spending time with. So did you have any love bombing experiences? No, I, when I think of, I was thinking when you were talking about how 
some and and let's say this before we keep going this goes both ways this isn't just about what women should protect themselves against but men too absolutely women can do the same things (laughs) as we are very well capable of doing the same things that men are but um it's hard to not like there's some women or men that would just soak that up that want the attention and need the affirmation and um so if you aren't healthy emotionally it's hard to pick up on these things that we're talking about right yeah it, if you if you go into the relationship feeling like you've been in a desert for years which when you've gone through a divorce you right. often do feel that way it can be easy yes. just to soak it up as something real um mm-hmm. and I, I certainly made that mistake with my first relationship post-divorce of it just it felt so amazingly different than what I had had for so many years but it turned out to be very much a love bombing experience and a very painful experience so just temper it you know just make sure that you're looking at it through a balanced lens of yes this feels really good to be treated so well but are they treating me this way because of who they know me to be are they truly enamored with me or are are they enamored with the idea of a relationship with me? Like give the relationship time to gel before you believe that they are doing these things and bending over backwards because of how they feel about you, not just because they're desperate for a relationship. So we can summarize that first red flag as they move too fast. They're love bombing. are not taking no or slow down for an answer or they're wanting to speed up to becoming sexual too fast. The next red flag I would have to say is if they talk about their ex a lot in the early mm-hmm. stages and right. sometimes it's not because you asked, it's just because that was such a huge part of their life and they really haven't moved beyond that yet. They haven't really healed from that yet. And so that's like, mm-hmm. That's their conversation of wanting to tell yeah. you how dirty, rotten, and mean their former partner was. Or right. um, or in the case of, like one woman told me that she went out with a man who had been widowed for six months. And she was like, all we talked about was his dead wife. And she said, it was obvious yeah. to me that he was just not ready to move on yet. And she said, I could be sure. his friend, but I couldn't be his girlfriend under those circumstances. Right. So it's, I think it's good to talk and communicate about the past, what you learned from the past, but yeah, dwelling on it and staying stuck (laughs) is probably not healthy. And I love the way that Charlie um, phrased it when we were talking, when we started uh, communicating with each other, we lived four hours apart. So our relationship had to go slow because we could not be together that often, Mm -hmm. but one day I asked him a question about, so, you know, why did your marriage you know, end? And he said, I tell you what, um, I'm expecting my brother here shortly and we will open the X-Files with one another soon, but I don't feel like this is the right time since I'm going to have to wrap up the conversation in a few minutes. And Aww. I yeah. respected that and was patient until, and really we decided that that needs to be a conversation that we have face-to-face anyway. But yeah, we opened the X-Files. We talked about former uh, you know, marriage partners and 
people that we had had dating experiences with and what we enjoyed and what we didn't enjoy and what we appreciated and what we didn't appreciate. And so it was almost like we used it as a learning experience and we got to know a little bit more about each other's history that way. So it wasn't a, I'm going to bash my ex. There was really no bashing involved. Neither one of us felt the need for that because I think that we had intentionally healed and, and moved on. Um, but there also wasn't a lot of reminiscing about it either. Cause that didn't seem appropriate in this relationship. So we both felt ready for something new and different. So, right. uh, were, were there any anxieties about X files with you and Brian? Yeah, we, we talked about this yesterday, literally yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> You've been married two and yeah, a half years we like, and you just talked about it yesterday. Yes. We talk about everything, but we talked about it um, again yesterday, I assume. <laughs> yes. We were just talking about the first night that I had him over and cooked him dinner. And, you know, he had shared his whole past with me the first day we met. And because that's just who he is. The first day so laid I, it out there. The first day just laid it out, said, This is who I am. This is what I've done. You know, I want you to know before we even keep talking. Mm-hmm. which I love that. I was going to say, my guess so, is with your personality, you loved that. Oh yeah. It, it was, it just, uh, prepared me to like, no, okay. I've got to tell him about mine. Um, this is obviously who he is just a super vulnerable, honest, transparent person. And I love that. I crave that. Um, but I knew I'd have to tell him. <laughs> so <laughs> He was sitting on the couch and I sat in front of him on this, like on the ground and leaned on this little stool and my heart was racing. And I told him about everything I've done. And he just sat there like with this blank look, I couldn't even read his emotions at the time uh, yet. And after I got done, I looked at it, looked up at him and he was like, is that, that's all, that's all you got. And I was like, I was like, that's all. I was like, that's really bad stuff. And he's like, that is nothing. Like, I hate that you went through that. And, but that's it's it. All relative. Good. So it was amazing to, to find somebody that accepted everything. And, uh, just, I felt like he could love me unconditionally, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you had already given him that gift too, of that unconditional love. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But it is, it's a big relief when you expose the past to one another and then it's like, okay, the skeletons are out of the closet. There's nothing hidden. I don't have to live in the relationship thinking, oh, but if you knew this about me, then there's no way you would still love me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I remember it was probably two months, maybe three into the relationship that um, I felt like there were things about my life that Charlie deserved to know before we started talking about, you know, engagement and marriage and the future and that, all that kind of stuff. And I just remember that I, I kind of did like you, I, I sat on the couch across from him and was like, you know, these are the, these are the moments in my history books that I'm least proud of. And I just laid it out there and just like a very professional counselor that he is, he just didn't bat an eyelash. He leaned in, he listened so compassionately. And he was just like, if you expect that I'm going to feel any differently about you as a result of what you just shared, think again. And it it was just Mm -hmm. like, okay, we, we all have dark moments in a history book. Don't, don't bolt just because somebody has some 
dark pages because we all do. But uh, if they're stuck there, though, if they just can't stop talking about those people that have done them wrong or that, you know, were such a big part of their lives. And yeah, I think that you should be able to tell that this person is ready to move on and make you the center of their relationship world and not harp on the past relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's move on to the next win. Um, I think that when people have a strained relationship with key people in their life, and when I say key people, I'm talking about mom, dad, siblings, and biological children. I think okay. that, I mean, obviously we don't get along with everybody in our family all the time, but if someone has been estranged from significant family members for long periods of time and still are, I think that that's a big red flag that we need to pay attention to, especially if there's more right. than one family member, because the mm-hmm. common denominator is that person. Would you agree? Right. Yeah. I think that, like you said, talk, just paying attention, talking about it, kind of feeling out the situation because there are some people that just have super dysfunctional families and they've chosen to sever ties and not be a part of, you know, their brother's life or parents' life or uh, whatever. So, but no, I think that's one that you have to, if family's important to you, yeah, you know, it would be hard for me to, to be with someone that couldn't be close to their family or kids or, you know, whatever the case is. Right. Because you don't just marry that person. You marry their entire family. And if there is tension mm-hmm. and bitterness there, then guess what? Now it's in your life too, because right. you don't want to feel as if you're having to choose sides or you know, you're going to feel like a stretch Armstrong doll if you're trying to be the peacemaker yeah. or the mediator or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I totally get, for example, I remember a client was telling me that his alcoholic father was just so abusive and he finally got to the age in his life in his mid to late twenties that he realized I don't have to have a relationship with this man. If I choose not to, that is perfectly understandable. But if it's like, I don't talk to my parents, I don't talk to, you know, like if, if it's multiple people, that's Mm -hmm. the red flag. What about if they keep you distant from their family or friends? (laughs) That could be a sign, something. Absolutely, it's off. a sign. Yeah, if if he's not willing to, or she, because like you said, this show isn't just about warnings for women, right. it's red flags for men too. There must be a reason that they are not introducing you to parents and siblings and kids at some point within a realistic span of time. Now, I've heard of, of um, single people or divorce people with younger children wanting to wait until a relationship really gels before they uh, worry about introducing them to children because they didn't want the children to see this revolving door of dating partners in and out of their mom or dad's life. And I can completely respect that. But oftentimes people aren't introducing their new girlfriend or boyfriend to their family because they may still be in a different relationship. There've been plenty of people on the planet who have been bamboozled into thinking that they're the one and only when this person isn't even all the way divorced from their 
previous partner or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you never know. But uh, I would think event there's a time frame that you do expect to be part of their their world, you know, whether it's friends or parents or grandparents or something. Mm-hmm. And pay attention to how she interacts with her dad or how he interacts with his mom, because those are great indicators of how well that person is able to bond with the opposite sex. Because yeah. I, th- I think that we are imprinted by our opposite sex parent that we are worthy mm-hmm. of attention and affection and relationship. And if that relationship has been broken and strained from the beginning and has never been healthy, then that individual may have a difficult time staying bonded and connected long-term. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that would definitely yeah. be something to bring up in the premarital counseling, which I highly recommend to people. Actually, I recommend a step before that. What about pre-engagement? counseling that a lot of the coaching that I have done with single people who have then met someone is don't wait until you're engaged and you've set a wedding date to start doing premarital coaching, do pre-engagement coaching where you can talk through these things before you even decide for sure that getting married to this person and spending the rest of their life committed to them is what you really want to do. We're going to press the pause button right there and be back next time with part two of Red Flags for Dating Couples. We love you for listening, and we thank you for tapping on us. Hey, on tap listeners, do you dream about positively impacting people's lives? Maybe you feel like you've got a book in you. Do you dream about sharing your story? Would you like to be personally mentored by an award-winning, million-copy, best-selling author, with over 25 years of speaking experience? If so, consider joining Shannon Etheridge's BLAST mentoring program. You know, and I love this. BLAST stands for building leaders, authors, speakers, and teachers. And through these 12 self-paced online lessons, you'll receive lifetime access to over 40 hours of instructional video, inspiring peer interaction, encouraging monthly calls with Shannon and the BLAST community, amazing templates to guide your every speaking and writing endeavor, and much more. Go to shannonetheridge.com for more information. Use the code ONTAP for a 20% listener appreciation discount. Why wait? Start this self-paced mentoring program today and bring your speaking and writing dreams to life. I'm Phil Carlson, BLAST graduate, and I approve this message.